LF podcast, where we're focused on fashion, fitness, and of course food. This podcast is all about bringing these three parts of your life together to help you get the most out of your passions. We're here to help you look your best, feel great, and also indulge in some maybe not so hidden temptations. <laughs> we are by no means experts in any of these fields, but we do hope to bring people to the show who know what they're talking about and can help you with some of these aspects of your life. You only live once, so why not live a life worth living? On the show today, we have Christina of Bao Bao Treats. Bao Bao Treats was born out of a passion to share Christina's love for different foods and encapsulates these amazing flavors inside of a baked bao, which has always been her comfort food. As a kid, she has fond memories of grocery shopping with her grandmother and getting a coconut or custard bao as a treat from her. While studying abroad in Hong Kong, she would often buy baos at a local bakery for lunch. Baos are such an amazing, easy to go food. What if they were filled with other tasty ingredients besides the traditional flavors, she thought, and so began Bao Bao Treats. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this fun conversation with Christina of Bao Bao Treats. So today we're sitting down with Christina of Bao Bao Treats. How are you today? I'm doing well. Awesome. We're sitting here in West Loop. It's finally summer. Very excited. <laughs> it is. I'm super excited. It's, uh, actually, it's, it feels like summer's back. You know, we had a little brief stint of summer, but, you know, Chicago, so exactly. it gets back cold and then hot. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us what you do in one to two sentences. Sure. Uh, I'm the owner of Bao Bao Treats, and basically we're focused on baked baos, which is a little bit different than what most people see. They usually know the steamed baos, and we're just trying, trying to introduce them to the baked version. And so how did you come up with an idea like this to run a treat business? Yeah. Are you in the food industry, or do you grow up cooking? What was kind of like the background here? Sure. Um, I'm not at all in the food industry. I actually am in the analytical space, so totally 180 of cooking. Um, but I actually had this idea when I was studying abroad in Hong Kong and getting my grad degree. Uh, for the most part in Hong Kong, you know, I was in and out, running around, and my saving uh, food was baos. Mm -hmm. So everywhere you go in Hong Kong, is there's a bakery, you know, right at the train stop. So it's easy in and out, you know, grab two baos, be on my way. And uh, I thought like, wow, wouldn't it be great to like put other foods in the bao dough? Because the bao dough itself is uh, kind of like subtly sweet, so it pairs well with savory or sweet. Mm -hmm. uh, and I thought like, you know what, why not try to put other foods that I've enjoyed over the years in the bao dough? So that's kind of how I came up with the idea. And it, uh, and yeah, and it stayed with me for a while, actually. I mean, so, like, yeah. I don't think you're 23 right now. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that idea kind of stayed with me. And, and just because I, you know, when I was in Hong Kong, I experienced so many great foods, too. Right. Uh, so many different things that you just don't see here in the U.S. So I was like, yeah, maybe this will, you know, somehow work someday here in the U.S. And so break down a little bit how yours is different. You said people are accustomed to the steam bow. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the basic difference that you have in your... In your, yeah, so I think what people don't realize is that um, the reason why baked bows are more prevalent in Hong Kong is because it used to be a British colony, yes. and so the British brought the oven over, right? Yeah. Whereas the rest of China was pretty insulated from the Western world, and so their technology is mostly steam. So that's why you see them a lot of steam bows, and the steam bows are white, right? So when people see my bows, they're like, are these really bows? Because they look brown. And I'm like, no, they're 
bowels, yeah. but they're just baked, right? So it's just a different kind. Um, and so that's why it's a little bit different. So you'll see the baked bowels more in like um, British colony territories. Like, so you see in like Malaysia, uh, Singapore, so a little bit more Western influence because they brought the baking, the oven technology over. So that's where you're going to see it more, as opposed to like traditional Northern China. Interesting. And which kind of um, flavors do you play around with inside the bottles? Sure. Um, I definitely offer like the traditional Chinese uh, barbecue pork, mm -hmm. uh, and then I've kind of played with different flavors. So I've incorporated flavors that I've enjoyed over the years. <laughs> so, so for example, um, one of my favorite dishes mm -hmm. for Indian dish actually is a uh, spinach and paneer. And so that's what I've done is I've played with it enough times to actually put it into the bao. Because the tricky part is when you put it in the bao is it has to be um, not too watery, like not too liquidy, right? So because you want, it's almost like if you've ever made a dumpling, yes. right? You put the filling in the center and you kind of fold and tuck and all that stuff. So it's very similar too when you do the big bao. So you put the filling in the center, you kind of fold it up and make sure it's like kind of stay intact as soon as you roll it up and put it on. The worst part is when the filling is too watery or if it's too dry, then it doesn't go very well with the bao. Um, so that's the tricky part, just finding fillings that kind of are like, you know, still moist, but at the same time not overflowing, right, right where it just spews out of the bow. So from a business perspective, how did it turn out from, hey, I like baking these baos at home for my friends and family, mm -hmm. to actually becoming a business where you're actually selling to people who aren't friends and family? Sure. Um, so actually it was during the pandemic, mm -hmm. um, and like I said, I've had this idea for a long time. Um, back in like, gosh, early 2000s. And so when I got laid off from work during the pandemic, I was like, you know what? Maybe this is my opportunity. Because I've been thinking about doing my own thing for so long that this was kind of almost the the little push I needed. Yeah. You know, no more safety nuts, so to speak. Uh, so that's when I started learning. So like when everyone was learning how to make sourdough, I was learning how to make the bao dough. <laughs> so that, that's my story. I was trying to perfect the bao dough uh, during the pandemic. And, you know, I just started like testing different things, um, bringing it to like family, friend gatherings. Of course, this is the pandemic. So I probably was dropping things off actually at people's yes. homes and being like, hey, just give me some feedback. What do you think? Uh, and I actually got some positive response. So it kind of kept me going. I remember when you dropped some off for one of our dinner parties, we usually had maybe like, I was just saying that appropriate number of people over. <laughs> um, I just remember that like being like gone like ten seconds. Like, what are these? <laughs> and we're like, um, I wanted one too, actually. <laughs> Yeah, it just kind of caught on. I, I thought also it's like, um, you know, no one's ever seen it before, especially when you say like, oh, they look, they're, they're always like, oh, it looks like bread. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, it's bread, but there's actually stuff inside. And then they're more intrigued by that, you know. And so um, where do you start selling them? So you kind of had the idea for the business, mm -hmm. start putting stuff together. I think when we first met, it was kind of right when we were starting to. Right. You had like the opportunity to maybe sell the food on Chavas or other stuff. You want to kind of take things slow, kind of walk us through that, what your thought process was of getting the business up and running. Yeah, so being that I'm not from the food industry, I kind of wanted to take a little bit more baby steps and make sure that I was actually perfecting, you know, not only the baudo itself, but the fillings inside of it. And so I kind of wanted to take it slow. I started off with maybe like, maybe three, three savory and three sweets, mm -hmm. three um, fillings in terms of like the different types I had. And I was selling them basically out of my home at that point because, you know, during the pandemic, everybody was doing whatever they could. 
Um, and I think at that time, too, the city and the government, everybody was pretty laxed in terms of what was legal or not. Uh, so they were just kind of like, okay, do whatever you need to do. Yeah. So I was pretty much selling to our friends and families, and the word kind of got around that I was doing this. And I have to say, you know, I was very lucky and fortunate to have so many supportive friends and family just, you know, buying boxes from me here and there. And then eventually I, um, I started selling them at a local, like, farmer's market. It was like maybe like about half a mile down or so. Uh, they started to do uh, a little bit of like an indoor farmer's market. Of course, at the time, you know, during the pandemic, everybody was masked. Mm -hmm. So it was very difficult for people to be like coming in like, you know, a handful at a time <laughs> to, to shop. But it, it worked in a way. And that was my first time like actually introducing others to the bow. Cool. And so kind of how did that progress to where you are now? So then we're talking off air about how mm -hmm. You're taking a break for a little bit to kind of figure out growing the business. Mm -hmm. What has been your experience selling at farmers markets? It's been very controlled, like zero scalability. Where you where you kind of seeing the issues there? Yeah, so I think if anyone is trying to test anything in terms of food, farmers markets are like the best vehicle, I mm -hmm. would say. It's just it's such a great community. Um, very supportive, and also uh, folks there are so willing to try something new, I would say. And they give you feedback right away. Yeah. So if you're ever looking <laughs> for, for instant feedback, farmer's markets are like the way to go. They'll tell you if like, oh, there's not enough filling, or you know, not spicy enough, or you know, put something else in here, they'll, they'll tell you right away. They're not shy about it at all. Um, and then in terms of growing, it's it's been incredible, I would say, uh, just getting uh, people aware of my products and offerings, um, meeting new people. It's really actually opened the doors for our, mm. for me. Um, not being in the food industry, I've just kind of was able to develop a lot of relationships with the farmers markets. You know, going it went from like knowing no one really right. to like anytime I went to a market now, I would know easily like five to six people right off the bat. And so it's really nice like that. And not only that, but once people are aware of your products and offerings, and you know, you kind of develop this credibility. Other people actually reach out to you to see if they're if you want to be part of their market, right? So it ended up being like me looking for ways to like you know sell my my bowels, but then eventually I had to keep saying no to people because they kept reaching out and saying like, hey, do you want to be part of my market, mm -hmm. or do you want to be a part of my pop up? And at some point, I unfortunately had to say no because there's only one of me. You know, is it kind of like the biggest issue you're running into right now is you physically have to do the labor making the bowels? The business side of it and be at the station kind of selling them yeah so that's been the tricky part right that's part of the reason why i'm kind of taking a hiatus right now is just trying to be a more a little bit more strategic um like when you're in it the operation mode you're just so focused on getting everything done right you just want to get the bows out the door and you can't even think about like what is the best way to get this done <laughs> so that's kind of what i want to do right now it is tough i would say um for anyone starting their own business, they probably know this, but if you're starting it on your own, especially, it's it's very rough because not only are you doing operations, but you're doing the marketing, the advertising, the administrative stuff like taxes, the financials, and it's just a lot of stuff going on. And I think too, even if like the quick solution is always oh, hire someone to work at mm -hmm. the five different farmers markets, from last time I saw you at a farmers market, you had a set of a tent. And break everything down and transfer everything. Right. That's not easy or cheap if you're doing <laughs> five of those. Like, it's not just, hey, just have some like 17 year old kid show up and sell bottles to 
totally trust them. <laughs> yeah, so trust is a huge factor, I would say, yeah. too, right? Just finding somebody that you can truly trust, um, not only being able to communicate, like, you know, what are your products and what's in it, mm-hmm. especially if somebody has, like, food allergies. Oh, That's, yeah. like, one of my biggest concerns, right? So if somebody comes to the market and they ask, like, oh, is this gluten-free or is this vegan? I can tell them right off the bat, like, it's not and blah, blah. And yeah. these are the reasons why. Whereas if I hired... I don't know, like high school teenager, you know, during the summer, mm-hmm. he or she probably wouldn't be able to answer those questions right off the bat, right? So it would have some training involved. And so have you thought about scalability from that perspective? So in your time off right now, mm-hmm. having a chance to clear your mind, you know, other people that have had small businesses like this, they get into Dominic's or mm-hmm. they get on shelving somewhere. Is that something that's been on your mind or how do you think you want to kind of take steps forward once you kind of re-engage? Yeah, that's a good question. I... I, I am trying to take this time off to think about what next steps I see Bao Bao growing. So, you know, I see it potentially being back at the farmer's markets, but not only that, but, you know, what other things can I do? People have suggested, like, brick and mortar. Uh, what if I do, like, um, what else is there? Oh, also, like, serving it at, like, other hotels or restaurants, you know, um, kind of serving it at those, and then also offering it, for, you know, like what you said in um, mass commercial space, right? Because I know, like, uh, for example, uh, fellow vendors like Community Kombucha, like we, they started off in the South Loop Farmers Market too. And now you see them at like all the less entertaining restaurants, and also at like um, Mariano's and all the grocery stores too. So it's really cool to see them grow, actually. Um, but that's definitely an aspect. I've thought about it putting the bows actually in the freezer aisle because it does well frozen. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Most people don't know that, but you can definitely freeze the bows for quite a few weeks. I think the other extreme, like, uh, ideal situation, uh, ideal mm-hmm. spot other extreme scenario will be like kind of like 7-Eleven and Krispy Kremes, right? You're just in a grocery store, in a... Um, Convenience store. store. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I don't know how that would happen. That seems like... Uh, a good avenue. Yeah, yeah you're, you're <laughs> right. somewhere where it's just you don't need to be there, mm-hmm. and someone else can stock and pick it for like, sure. Without you, for yeah. sure. Yeah, that's definitely been um, something I thought about as well. For sure, uh, you're not the first person actually that suggested mm-hmm. convenience stores. I think it would be interesting because it's such a good to-go food. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's almost the way I d- described it is uh, it's like an enclosed sandwich. Or someone has compared it to like being an empanada, like a Chinese empanada, basically. <laughs> but yeah, it's a good to go food for for sure. And um, and I've noticed it's interesting too that parents love it for kids because kids can just carry it themselves, yeah. and it's not messy, right? It's enclosed in the bow, and then it's protein, so it's good for them. It's, it's not just like a sugary snack for them. Yeah, I think so. The issue at hand is kind of like your time where you can be. Like the other day, I know about you said that is there's mm-hmm. a school next to where I live. Mm-hmm. And I started seeing all these vendors pop up. For some reason today, I don't know why, they had a full-blown food truck. Oh, wow. In addition to, like, the usual just, like, I'm selling candy and ice cream guy that just has, like, the bell on his thing. I'm like, yeah. what is going on here? But the repairs started going money, so <laughs> <laughs> I do think, ideally, it would be great. So that's the thing. With the brick and mortar, I'm a little hesitant because I feel like there's just so much time and, you know, monetary investment vested in like a brick and mortar and I think if you are to do a brick and mortar you'd have to either have a really good brand recognition for people to come to you or secondly be in a great location you know where there's such a, a tremendous amount of foot traffic that yeah. it makes sense but otherwise it's, it's really difficult I feel like. Hey, even if you were in like a hotel like in this area I don't know who would 
come into the hotel to get it. It would only just be hotel guests. Right. But maybe that's like scalable, but that's still, you have a quick ceiling. Like, you do. You only sell whatever, 200 a day or something. Yeah. Unless miraculously, like, word gets around, right? And people are starting to be like, oh, this is more of a destination as opposed to like, oh, it's so convenient. <laughs> it's just right there. Yeah, you know, I think our place is like, I think there's a place in Wicker by me. It's like a Filipino bakery and restaurant where there's like always a line out the door. Oh, really? I've never been. Okay. Um, I, should, I should know who it is, but kind of stuff like that where I think it's kind of creating buzz. Um, and kind of as we're talking through it, I'm comparing it to my friend who runs. Ice cream girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, she used to make ice cream for Stephanie as her here oh, in nice. Group. Yeah. And she started her own company, and now she's in Dominic's, a few other places. Um, her partner runs a restaurant like five feet from where I live. She lives by me, and they sell it there too, like by the pines. That's because she has a connection, but <laughs> <laughs> it is all about connections yeah. that I'm telling you. Right now. But they also have like a little like bakery thing there too, where they sell kind of muffins and whatnot. Yeah. So I mean. Not telling you what to do or not to do, but maybe just like figuring out what restaurant owners you know who are not, or even corporate, and just like, hey, we have mm-hmm. this little bakery thing on the side. If you want to come in for stuff, it's not everyone drinks Starbucks or Collectivo or whatnot. Yeah. yeah. I think the tricky thing, too, is that my product is um, it's not as well known. So, yes. me- meaning like it's not like a bagel, mm-hmm. it's not like ice cream, it's yeah. not like pizza, right? It's definitely something different where not a whole bunch of people are aware of it. So that's my, a little bit of a hurdle that I have to overcome as well, is to introduce it to people and get them to think like, oh, this is something that I actually want, or this is something that I crave. Just like tacos, right? I felt like tacos for the longest time, like people were kind of like, uh, that's kind of like a Mexican food thing. But now like tacos are everywhere. So I kind of need to figure out a way to kind of do the same almost concept. So I'm gonna get this wrong, but I'll just make the corrections of our time. I think it's Chicago Burger Revival. They do a secret burger drop mm. every whatever. There was actually one this weekend. I missed out on getting tickets. But they just go somewhere, sell tickets there. You go there, you get a burger, up to three of them, or up to four of them, up to four tickets. Mm. Other people just love it. So it's kind of like doing like um, a shoe drop or some new clothing line drop. People just get excited for that. Okay. You can just do that like, hey, we're you know doing whatever new flavor drop and because you can freeze them, right? Yep, you can totally freeze them. And then just kind of like, hey, we're here at this pop-up, come and get your pre-order or you can, yeah. So For like sure. Where you very much in control of everything, minus the chaos of the day of, but <laughs> you're just collecting money and handing out orders. Right. Opposed to sitting there hoping someone walks by. Yeah. So that crossed my mind, that's, that's worked for burgers. And we live in Chicago, all these foodie influencers wanted to take pictures of cool stuff and they do they do that's the thing i feel like food has become more like um it's almost like gosh people just love to like take photos of it you know and it's kind of like you know you kind of see what you eat almost kind of deal we went to a place literally this weekend uh i forgot what it's called but it's their tagline is nadc not a damn chance they have Cheeseburger, grilled cheese, okay. fries, or fries with beast mode on the menu. That's it. Period. That's it. And you walk in, no, like, no substitutions. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, if you ask anything, they say NADC, not a damn chance. I'm like, this is insane. We will love it. It's a dive bar. That, like, it's just so simple. Yeah. Right? So I would be very well from like, Instagram. Like, people are taking pictures. I'm like, that's me. I eat burgers like four times a week. So I'm a big burger nerd. But it's like, it was just this interesting. Kind mm. of like, 
you know, wasn't like I was driving across the country for this. Yeah. But <laughs> do they have like a brick and mortar or are they like a pop yeah, up? Yeah, it's in a dive okay. bar. It's okay. um, right by the chocolate factory, like behind um by Kinsey? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Kinsey Milwaukee, right mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Uh, but it's kind of something that we're we're just creating some sort of buzz for it opposed to oh I have access all the time. All the time, yeah. 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 I mean that's kinda of how Billy Goats did it, right? Like they were on SNL just because they never did anything but cheeseburgers. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're super iconic here in town. Yeah. That's what it is. It's, so, yeah, taking the time to think about it is what it is. But what are some of the successes you've had through your business that you can kind of talk about? Uh, I would say, you know, given that I've only been doing this for like two and a half years, I really, honestly, I didn't really have too much expectations, I guess. I just yeah. I went in it thinking like, okay, is anyone gonna like it, first of all, yeah. right? So I was testing it with family and friends, and then the true test was when I started selling it at the markets to people I didn't really know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, I, I feel like you're never gonna be able to capture that again because it's like the anticipation and the nervousness of like someone trying your stuff for the yeah. first time. And then getting the feedback, right? So it was it was great to like see people's reactions because they will eat it right then and there, to be honest. <laughs> and then they'll tell you if they like it or not. Uh, so there's always this like anticipation, of, like and fear of like, oh my gosh, are they gonna like it or not? Um, but that's cool to go from that to like actual being at the the big city markets. You know what I mean? Because never did I think I was gonna be like at Andersonville or South Loop Farmers Market. Or even at like pop-ups where like thousands of people are going to, so to me that's you know every every event itself for me was like a success just mm-hmm. because, you know that's me I'm coming from nowhere you know yeah. not even part of the food industry and just trying to introduce something that I'd done. Yeah, like I mentioned earlier, everyone that I shared them with always liked them. I learned to confuse myself and nobody buy them. I mean, granted, like every time I went somewhere, people knew what bottles were, so like they don't know. Yeah, of course. Like, what's this? This is bread. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I will have to. T- I will have to say it's really cool that um, you know whenever I go to somewhere else outside of the South Loop, um, if I've done like a pop up market. I'll try to explain the bows to them, and they're like, no, 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 we've had them. They're good. That's why we're buying them again. So I'm like, that's always a nice thing. I'm like, oh, thank you for buying again. You know? <laughs> like, one customer comes, like, I mean, we usually don't recognize them. Like, hi, Christina. They're like, hi. You? With the- <laughs> <laughs> you try to look at their name, it's like, oh. I've so many times, because I say, go by JP, but my real name is Jeffrey. Yeah. So my friend here always say Jeffrey, and you always, I always just don't go and don't remember my name. Like, hey, Jeffrey. And I'm like, so I take you just go by JP mostly. Like almost always. I mean yeah. now with a new job it says Jeffrey in my email, so I'm like, oh this again? Like Well now you know who who's coming from, Jeffrey. Okay. <laughs> yeah. My family calls me something different too, so it's like whenever we're around other people are like, Who are you talking to? I don't know if I names. For sure. And we're like, I just yeah, yeah. No, I totally understand that. I have a nickname from college, and only my college friends will ever call me that. So, yeah. <laughs> I get it. So what's going to be kind of your trend, do you think, for getting back in the game? Because like, obviously people are going to be wanting to purchase them. Is there like a way for us to follow you and kind of make sure we're ready to get back in track? Yeah, for sure. So if um, people follow me on Instagram or on Facebook, uh, I will definitely be posting mm-hmm. if I ever do another pop-up again soon or another market. So. And what's your Instagram handle? So the Instagram handle is Baobao Treats. Okay. Yeah. 
pretty simple. How do you spell Bao Treats? It is B-A-U. B A O treats. See, that's why I ask, it's spelled differently. <laughs> it is spelled differently. Yeah, yeah, it's spelled differently. And the reason why is because, you know, actually, so bao bao in Cantonese means full from eating. That's mm-hmm. the whole reason why. A little bit of play on words. I kind of liked it that way. Yeah, I think it's cool. Like, it's very memorable. It's it always just to scale it. But anything else we want to leave our listeners with before we sign off? Uh, just want to say thanks to everybody who's been supportive of bao bao. And uh, this is not a goodbye, uh, but I will say this is until we see you again next time. This episode is sponsored by Trendzapio. Collaborate with trendsetters and artists worldwide. Join the creative talent marketplace by showcasing your fashion and artistic intelligence. Trendzapio connects diverse talent from creative industries with brands that need fresh ideas. Showcase your projects, create your portfolios, and showcase your work in creative talent pools. Collaborate with industry peers and give life to your next big project. Hire on demand, create portals, post jobs, cast and promote talent. Let trendsetters find your projects. Transapio handles your onboarding needs. Build a network that works. Build a community of like-minded trendsetters and links with brands and businesses across the globe. Want to make your mark on Transapio? Go ahead and leverage the latest AI-driven technology that brings talent and opportunities into a seamless ecosystem. Join them to help make the next viral trend that will transform the world. Transapio. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Pod Directory, or SoundCloud. That way, you'll get our latest episodes sent right to your device when they come out every week. For reference... Those are all linked up right in the show notes. While you're in there, feel free to leave us a review. If you do, all I can say is two words. Endless gratitude. Writing reviews helps us understand how we can improve the podcast as we all continue along this fun adventure in fashion, fitness, and food.